game day. Happy game day. Game three of the Western Conference Final 2020 edition. The Golden Knights aiming for back-to-back -back wins to take a 2-1 series lead against the Dallas Stars. Tonight in Edmonton in the bubble at Rogers Place. Face-off is just after 5 o'clock and we have a lot to get to, a lot to promote as we tee up this one on the VGK Daily Podcast. Darren Millar joined by Stormy Bonatoni, who's complaining because the microphone that uh, we use to tape this thing with, your microphone is blocking it. We can't actually see each other. It's in the way. I like, I'm just staring at this little black bar thing instead of my co-host here. It's uh, it's good. It, it makes us really have to work to connect. I'm like ducking and diving side to side. Ducking, diving, juking and jiving. That's exactly <laughs> what the, uh, the Golden Knights did with their offense uh, the other night in game two. And the power play was a big part of it. Uh, it'd be nice to get that thing on a bit of a groove. Yeah, definitely, especially if Dallas keeps taking as many penalties as they did in Game 1. If the VGK are able to actually capitalize on more than one of those, that would be great. But just the fact that they were able to get it moving, have William Carlson score a, a really a really cool to-the-ground goal, um, get the Golden Knights up with that 2-0 lead in that game. And if you can continue that kind of production, good things tend to happen on special teams. Get the puck to the net. Uh, here is William Carlson uh, talking about that power play after you hear from head coach Pete DeBoer on the man advantage your power play is whatever the other team is willing to give you and uh, I think we have the ability to move guys around like Stoney like Patch in order to th throw different looks you know if they're going to take them away someplace uh, you know you can move them around someplace else so the bottom line is you want to get the puck in your best players hands as much as possible and and if you have to move them around to do that um, you know, that's what we do. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the, the great thing about Stoney and, and a lot of great players is that uh, he's comfortable, you know, in all those spots. He's comfortable around the net and he's very dangerous there. He's also dangerous when you move him up up top on the, on the flank, uh, you know, as his patch. I don't know. It was clicking, I feel like. I think we got some momentum going and we got a goal and we're just feeling very confident in what we're doing uh we got a couple of shots and stuff like that so um you know bring that into the next game and uh hopefully score some more stormy springboarding off the power play conversation where do you think vegas feels best about their game after game two i would think defensively and goaltending right honestly like i know that uh, offense obviously was the story. The Golden Knights able to score three goals in that second period in just under 10 minutes, got the power play going, all of these things. But I think the defense is really what stood up the last three games, really. They've only allowed one goal dating back to that final game with Vancouver and solid goaltending in net from both of their net minders, whether it's Robin Leonard in net, whether it's Marc-Andre Fleury, both of them have really done a good job. And for Leonard, back-to-back shutouts for him now. You and I have bounced this uh, top Topic, uh, around what is this series who are the Dallas Stars uh, and I'm glad that we finally have an answer because Pete DeBoer and Max Pacioretty discussed the style between the Golden Knights and Dallas well they're a big heavy team and uh, they have a lot of depth similar to us um, I think uh, they obviously smacked us in the face there the first period of that first game and we we're back on our heels so uh, we didn't show our best we we're able to pick it up a little bit in the third and then play an entire game the last game um, for whatever reason we just had a lull for you know probably a, a period and a half to two periods and uh, we feel that 
when we're playing the right way, when we're, when we're skating, when we're moving pucks up quick, rather than, you know, trying to take our time and, and regroup, uh, we want to play a fast game and, and, uh, uh, that's kind of how we visualize ourselves having success is playing well on our own end and playing fast. You get to the final four teams are so, uh, so uh, thin a margin between teams and, and winning um, that it's whoever can impose their game on the other team for the longest. And a lot of the games are similar, you know, uh, I think everyone's looking to, to win battles and win possession and grind the other team down and, and carry the play. Um, and the reality is when you, when you get two evenly matched teams or four in this case, uh, in the final four, uh, those, momen those momentum moments swing and whoever can carry them for the longest and capitalize usually comes out the other end. But, you know, it's a grind. And uh, I think everyone's game, you know, if you asked every coach, it would probably be pretty similar. We're, we're hopping over the boards, we're tilting the ice, in our favor, we're, we're wearing the other team out. Even in listening to that, I still don't know what to expect from, from Dallas. They've been the, the hottest, coldest yo-yo uh, team in the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is sort of what makes it fun, uh, but unpredictable. I, I can't imagine what their coaching staff is going through. Boy, Rick Bonus uh, was uh, upset with this club after game number two, and then per, from a preparation standpoint for DeBoer. Yeah, I still... I'm perplexed by what we've got here with these two teams. Dallas looking more like their regular season self a bit so far in this series versus when they were playing Colorado and had to put up five goals in every or single Calgary, one of their wins. Right? Yeah. The, the seven straight goals in that elimination game. Yeah, it's wild. I liked what Bonus said the other day, though, about how, yeah, of course we want to score goals, but there's another team out there, <laughs> too, that's, that's keeping us from doing that sometimes. Um, but for Pete DeBoer, he's got to be impressed with what he got from his team in game two, and if they can keep up some sort Sort of that uh, from the intensity standpoint, starting on time, getting offensive production from your forwards, which is a great thing to finally uh, see have come back and continue the defensive effort. Uh, there's a good chance here for more success moving on. Well, offensive uh, production from your forwards. Nick Waugh, are we are we watching something special right before our eyes? I am such a Nick Waugh fan, Darren, because he's... Roisy. <laughs> Roisy, Wazzy, whatever you want to call him. He He's just a good attitude guy that puts in the work, that puts his head down. And I'm really happy for him that he's starting to find a little bit of success. Obviously he got the, uh, the assist on that no set goal, which was an absolute beauty, but he, he was a part of making so much happen in game two. Um, he didn't get an assist on that early goal, but he helped make the play happen from their own zone. And um, he was just doing a lot of little things. We're going through this phase in 2020 of uh, all the press conferences are over Zoom and uh, the people that we're talking to can't see us, but they can hear our questions. And you can tell the level of engagement uh, sometimes while well, they just they get tired of talking to us. But every now and then somebody asks a question that the person on the other end just gravitates to like it, it it's something they really want to talk to talk about and nick waugh is that subject when it was put to pete DeBoer discussing uh his was season up and down in the american hockey league to when uh when pete DeBoer got here and he became a full-time nhler to now being on a, on a new line with paul stasny and max pacioretty so here is the head coach discussing the rookie in nick waugh he impressed me right away. Uh, I, I knew the, the history a little bit that he had been, uh, he'd made multiple trips up and down. Uh, you know, I think in talking to them, talking to him, he, he had slept a lot of nights in, 
in hotels either at uh, the Chicago airport or at or in Vegas. Uh, so, you know, it had been a, a real year of, uh, of moving around for him. And, um, you know, when I came in, uh, Kelly and George wanted me to take a look with an open mind. And that's, that's one of the benefits I think of a, of a new coach is, uh, you know, you get a fresh look at, at some of the guys that are in those situations. And for them, it's a fresh chance to, to maybe clean the slate and, and, uh, and, uh, and make an impression. And I think Nick was one of those guys that seized that opportunity. And Zach Whitecloud would, would have been the other. I thought Nick Hag made a real good impression early uh, with me. So, um, you know, I think uh, it, it was it was evident pretty early to me that, that this kid uh, could help us. And, uh, you know, I just I just liked a lot of parts about his game. I like a bunch of things about Wazi. You know, I like his, his size, his ability to win pucks and hang on to pucks and make plays. But he's also versatile. He, he can play uh, in the middle. He can he can work low for a centerman if uh, if he's back first without any problem. He's a right shot draw man on faceoffs, uh, which we don't have. So there, there's a lot of things that he does well that you like about his game. I'm not sure where the ceiling is. It's it, the the bar keeps moving upward with Nick Wad. The more I watch him, great defensively. Good speed, right-handed shot, uh, center iceman, sees the game really well. Can he score enough? Can he put enough points up? We're starting to see more of that side of his game. Yeah, there are the offensive instincts there. And when he first got um, called up, obviously it was kind of that fourth line, more physical type of a role. And you've seen him really develop in a lot of different ways. And it's been fun. Like I said earlier, just the way that he's kind of grown throughout this year. I went up and down something like 23 times. And, he and a couple always... of times after he scored. Yeah, <laughs> and he, but he always stuck with it. And he wanted to be considered an NHLer. He wanted to be taken seriously, and he is now. Well, he had a uh, some adversity uh, through the regular season in trying to forge that identity and mark his spot uh, as a full-time National Hockey League. Ryan Reeves is there, but he had a bounce-back game the other night because he suffered the suspension, put his team in a bad spot in Game 7. They in a lot of cases, got through that and and bought him an opportunity to pay them back. And he did that in game two when he returned to the lineup and uh, much more energy out of the team. And before uh, you talk about this, I want to hear from Max Pacioretty uh, just about uh, the influence of Ryan Reeves on this team along with Pete DeBoer. But uh, first, here's Max. Well, it makes everyone able to play a little bit uh, bigger when they go out there. That being said, Ryan Reeves is a good hockey player. He helps us uh, <clears throat> in all categories when he's on the ice. He's really good on the forecheck. He's really good at protecting pucks and holding on to pucks down low. He's obviously very hard to knock off the puck. That being said, when he has uh, the, the opportunity to, to run someone or, or you know get some energy for our group, he's able to do that as well. And as you mentioned, he just so happened to probably be the toughest guy in the league as well. So if anyone wants to step up to the plate, I know he's more than – uh, willing to do so and uh, kind of gives you a confidence as another player in the team knowing you know uh, hey you want to you want to run me why don't you do so when when 75 is on the ice and they probably think a little bit differently next time they're gonna try and line someone up or, or say something to someone as well invaluable I, w I would use uh, you know just absolutely uh, big value in that and what he brings and 
and uh, you know the uh, the room and the amount of uh, space and and just the you know the flies so to speak he keeps off the other guys on our team um, you know it's 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 invaluable and you can't measure it and it's not just measured uh, by the hit total at the end of the night you know that that Ryan is a presence we are familiar with him in the warm-up and spraying the water all that kind of stuff but boy when he was out we heard so much more about his energy and his influence on this team. Yeah, and Pete DeBoer calls him a tone setter because that's that's what he does. It's not always just the hits, although those obviously have come. He had six in that game. Um, but it's it's about so much more. The way that he's able to – just his presence is able to open things up for other people. And there, he had a couple opportunities where he could have taken another one of those big blow-up hits um, and – you saw that he learned his lesson from game seven too. And one of the biggest things I feel like Pete has always credited with Ryan with, or with Will Carrier with is their discipline in the way that they hit people. They do it an intelligent way. They, they don't take dumb penalties most of the time. And um, I don't know. I just, I think Ryan's a really unique player. He's a presence. He's got energy. He's a smart guy. Um, he, he does everything that you want from that fourth line role. Could you hear him more the, the other night in game two, the, the audio of the game? Well, if there's anybody you can hear, it's Ryan anyways. <laughs> but outside from maybe the clucking <laughs> against Vancouver, yeah, you could definitely hear him more this game. And that's what I've been wanting in general from these broadcasts since day one. And the fact that we're finally getting it is pretty cool. Game three tonight, Fortress at home. Back yes. at it. Back at it for Fortress at Home. Come tune in on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all of the Instagram, social media channels, whatever we got, we're on there um, for you to accompany your broadcast on the television or the radio side. It's just a really fun way to feel like you're in T-Mobile when you can't be. And that live stream follows the Knights Report pregame show. Uh, Mike McCann and I will have that at 4.30 later on today leading into the game and the uh, Fortress at Home. And the game will be on NBC Sports. Net and on radio, don't forget uh, Ryan Wallace has the pregame show 4:30 on uh, the VGK Radio Network and Dan Duva those uh, sultry tones uh, guiding you through the action with the play-by-play and Gary Lawless with the analysis on the VGK Radio Network. Radio, television, streaming, uh, we have it all for you as the Golden Knights aim for a 2-1 series lead against the Dallas Stars in Game Three of the Western Conference Final. Last word goes to Stormy Bonatoni. Tell the people something. Tell them something brilliant. Something brilliant. Inspirational. Take us out. Oh, that's what I was going to say. You said tell them something brilliant. Something brilliant. That's the last time I do that. (laughs) Enjoy the game, everybody. Game three. This has been a presentation of the Vegas Golden Knights.